I had almost 10-15 years of my own struggles and pain and I, I was absolutely convinced that this was a, a need because it was a need for me. And we are in the 10th year of establishing present rating now so it was not overnight that we became leaders in the market so it takes time. But if you're convinced of your solution, if you persevere, you'll get there. My intention at the time was not to create a billion dollar company at that time. I am now, but I didn't even know what startups and entrepreneurship was, you know. It was purely trying to solve a problem. The traveler sees what he sees. The tourist sees what he has come to see. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the One Foot in the Sink podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anis and Foz is here. I am indeed. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. And he's a frequent traveler. It's Fazal Baharuddin. Hi, everyone. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Hello, my friends. Muslims. Muslims. Muslim lifestyle podcast. What do you think the podcast is about? I think it's about Muslim because you put your foot in the sink and you do a do. It's about a story called the Ghostbusters. So Foz, are you a tourist or are you a traveller? I want to say I'm a traveller because it sounds way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm a tourist. Whenever I go anywhere, I've got the book in my hands, my backpack. So yeah. And the big camera around your neck. Yeah, and my video camera. So one in each hand, walking around with a map. My wife following me behind with a map. Go here, go here. So yeah, very much a tourist. But yeah, I'm going to say traveller because it sounds cool. <laughs> what about you, Fazal? Are you a traveller or a tourist? Well, I think I'm more of a traveller than a tourist. <laughs> yeah, I, I started travelling, you know, well, 30, 40, 30 years ago and I've been probably on the road most of my time. So the tourism part sort of disappears once you travel that, that much. Oh, nice. In my case, I think if you look at my Instagram feed, it'll probably show me as a traveler. But in real life, I'm definitely a tourist. <laughs> okay, let's let's jump straight into the opening question. Are you guys ready for the opening question? Yeah. Yes, we are. Okay. The opening question for this episode is, you have a blank check to design a new hotel. What is your standout attraction? And as usual... I'll start with you, Foz. Okay, thank you, Eunice. So my hotel is going to be a bit quirky. So if you look at now, so a lot of people are talking about space, space travel. You've got Elon Musk trying to get people into space with his space rocket. You've got Virgin trying to do trips to the moon. Um, so my hotel will be a kind of a stopgap. It will be like an underground bunker imitating a space station. I'll have enough money so I can invent a switch to turn off gravity. So we can turn off gravity, you can practice floating around. So yeah, that will be my hotel. Hotel. I don't know how you'll sleep. You'll just float around in the air. <laughs> you don't need to sleep. It's just so much fun there. You don't need to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Would you even serve the food that they do in the space shuttles? Like, you know, everything is into a liquefied form. Yeah, so I'll have one section which is, yeah, you want to make it as realistic as possible. But then I might add some quirkiness to it as well, like trying to get a table set up so you can float about, trying to have dinner on a table. But yeah, that would be quite fun, I think. I can imagine it now. I want to go there now. <laughs> yeah, I must say, for, for once, I like your answer. Wow, I can't <laughs> believe it. Usually it's straight up criticism. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a good answer. Uh, thanks, mate. Okay, what about you, Fazal? What's your answer? You know, I was thinking about it when I, uh, about this, you know, I, I basically grew up watching Star Trek, you know, that's that's how we grew up in the in the 70s and 80s. So my hotel now would be, you know, not going to space right now, but here, uh, a Star Trek-like uh, 
a hotel, you know, where it's all voice activated. You walk in, the door opens, uh, probably a holodeck as well that, you know, you can spend some time after coming back from, you know, work and uh, doing stuff there. Nice. Yes. Uh, food, I'm not sure. I don't want to take any tablets as food, but I'm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be amazing if you could pay enough money for those teleporters because they used to always teleport places. That would be yes, so cool. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, the window sort of not showing what is outside but showing space, you know. And you could hire it needs to be Spock. <laughs> so we've got a space theme, but I, th- I think that's a cool answer as well because it's very themed and futuristic where the mind is trying to be realistic. <laughs> I didn't really have an answer until... 10 minutes ago so it's pretty much on the spot (laughs) like every single time you do this i'm always underprepared for these questions um my answer will be not related to the space theme that you guys are going through so i like safaris the hotel will be in the middle of a safari park but there'll be no there'll there'll be no walls or anything like that it'll be the animals will be just be roaming through the hotels like lions and everyone just be roaming through the hotels and it's up to you to move out the way and find the shelter for yourself but you know usually if the humans have the shelters and then you know the lions and animals roam around you this one would be the opposite so you mean the lions and lions and tigers roam around the the corridors of the hotel and tap on your door and say you want anything serve yes Oh, exactly. it'll be the other way around. <laughs> it's going to be, I'm hungry, I'm eating you. <laughs> Some of the animals will be the bellboys. You know, they'll, they'll all have parts to play in the hotel. You can make the monkeys the bellboys. Yeah, exactly. I say for once, you've got the funny one. you got the funny answer. That's good. <laughs> Should we jump into the show? Yeah, let's do this. So, our guest today is Fazal Bhardin, founder of Crescent Rating and Halal Trip. Have you ever been on a holiday and you found yourself struggling to find the nearest mosque, halal restaurant, or even facilities catered towards your Islamic needs? Well, Fuzzle's company tries to solve that problem. We'd like to know more about his story, how he came up with the idea, find out about the hip happenings of the Muslim travel market, and much, much more. Fuzzle, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. Really, really impressed with your show and, you know, I have been listening to a couple of your episodes and here I am. Great. Thank you so much. We're very, very excited to talk about this. Me and Anise both love travels, so we're excited to find out more and go into some detail. But before we go into credit rating and a large trip, tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm actually originally from Sri Lanka. So I uh, grew up in Sri Lanka. I went to, when I was you know, 20 years, probably yes, 20 years, I went to China to on a, on a scholarship to do my engineering degree. Graduated as a telecom engineer and, you know, started working for a French company. Spent uh, almost 19 years uh, in the corporate world in China and then uh, in, in France and then back to Singapore. So my, my job was so much to do with telecoms and travel, which was the reason finally I, I quit telecoms and went into travel full time. Uh, how long have you been in the corporate world then? So, uh, yeah, I was uh, I started uh, in 1988 after I graduated and I left them in uh, 2007. So about 18 and a half, 19 years. Yes. Oh, wow. So and then you um, went to present rating, which we'll get into. But tell us a bit about you and your family. Oh yeah, my you know I actually wrote a piece recent. Oh, you know, my 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 mother passed away um, yeah, two three months ago in August, and that's and that's when I when I sort of really really you know because you 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 grow up you get into your your own uh, world you forget where you came from you know and then when my mother passed away on the fourteenth I think uh, of August then I fifteenth I sat and I sort of thought through the whole thing and uh, that was a good time and you know basically I, I came from a very low income family I would say and um, where sometimes my dad struggled to put food on food on the table and 
I think uh, what I, you know, I want to write something about my mom and how, how she, uh, one thing she did, did, she did not compromise on was education. So he, she was so focused on whatever the situation was that I went to school. I never, you know, skipped school. And, uh, and I, I, when I started writing, I realized, you know, I, I sort of went to school sometimes with the same uniform for a couple of years, but my mom made sure that we went to school. And then, you know, uh, my kids went to some of the most expensive schools in Singapore. So I sort of give it to my mom for all that actually you know so just in short you know i came from a very uh, difficult background and alhamdulillah you know uh, because her of her perseverance of educating us uh, here i am alhamdulillah it's amazing you've had time to reflect like that and see the key characteristics to this what's kind of made you get where you are because that was one of my things i wanted to ask is like what do you think from your childhood was key to your success and where you are today and from your point of view you know your mother's perseverance in education played a key part absolutely i think i think it was absolutely her perseverance i mean you know, she was so, uh, I mean, when my, my, my dad was busy, you know, I mean, he was not doing a, you know, he, he was just a, a administrative staff and he was busy trying to earn a living. And my mom would never miss a school, uh, you know, parents teachers meeting. She was only educated up to grade six, you know, so, but she never would miss a meeting. She absolutely made sure that I probably in my whole schooling career probably must have missed, you know, 20 days of schooling. That's impressive. It would have been just because it was heavy rain or I was really sick. And so how did you go from, you said like it's very difficult for family, then you said you went to study in China, suddenly you're traveling all over the world. How did that happen? I, I went on a scholarship to China to do my degree in, in telecoms. And then, you know, when I graduated, I then got a job in a, in a French company and then I probably did well. <laughs> so I, I sort of grew up in the corporate world very quickly. So I ended up in the headquarters of um, the company in Paris. I stayed there for about five years and then I sort of expatriated to Singapore to be the head of uh, sales and marketing for that company for Asia. And that meant sort of all, all throughout you know, from the start of my, my, my corporate career, I had to travel a lot in the last, last 10 years when I was in Singapore and also when I was in France. So I mean, that was the inspiration to sort of get started on Christian rating. So, you know, this was, we are talking about the 90s, mainly and early 2000, where, you know, the understanding on of the hospitality or the travel industry was very, you know, not very, you know, they didn't know that there is this specific market, you know, Muslims existed. So when I used to go traveling, uh, I used to do a lot of traveling and I used to carry my own, you know, food with me so that, you know, I don't have to worry about halal and all that, you know, difficult to find a mosque nearby because we don't know where to find. So that sort of prompted me, you know, if I was having the problem, you know, millions of other Muslims who are traveling must be having the problem. So that's, that's the start of and how long ago was that did you start thinking like because things have evolved quite a lot since then but when you started to have that thought process how long ago was it i think it was sometime in 2005 or probably that that sort of whole thing started to get on to me and in 2006 what also happened is that i you know in the corporate world you get whole bunch of corporate education stuff and then i wanted to do on myself uh, because islamic banking was sort of coming up at that time and i wanted to understand more about it so i actually took a postgraduate diploma in islamic banking at that time that sort of opened my eyes up to you know there is this muslim um, you know consumer segment who are more and more looking for 
more, you know, is Muslim friendly services, halal friendly services. And that sort of opened my eyes. So I think 2006 was probably the time that I seriously thought I needed to do something. Then um, I left in 2007, the company took a break, 19 years corporate world is it's not easy. So I sort of uh, took it easy for about 12 months while sort of developing my thoughts and, you know, what I should do and all that, and then went straight into it in 2008. So I want to go into the vision of Crescent Rating and her large trips and how they work together. But before we do, because you mentioned the whole, it's not easy going from corporate life to starting your business. Can you talk a bit more about that and your journey of doing that? You no know, corporate life, you know, of course, you know, I started off as a sales engineer and ended up in the management. You know, I keep telling entrepreneurs who sort of talk to me, you know, either you have to go into entrepreneurship, you know, when you are young uh, and that has its own pros and cons, uh, you know, in your 20s, 30s, you know, the biggest thing is you don't have to pay big bills or you <laughs> or you go into entrepreneurship after you have like me you know I, I had a good run with corporate world you know 19 years uh, so my kids were sort of just getting out of school also at that time so I think uh, and then going into entrepreneurship is very different uh, I think the the biggest positive is that you absolutely know how to run a business you know you you have huge amount of experience in running business, at least in my case, you know, I was running a number of divisions in the company. Uh, so that really helps in terms of running uh, a business, you know, a startup as a business. But of course, my my biggest struggle was I was, I didn't start present rating saying, look, let me be an entrepreneur, let, let me do a startup. You know, there was an issue I wanted to solve, I want to start a company. The whole startup entrepreneur vocabulary I learned after I started my company. <laughs> were, were there any particular skill sets that you think that you had that helped that transition and what kind of skill sets did you realize that you were lacking as soon as you started entrepreneurship? I, you know, I think one of the, the, the skill sets that I think was, you know, was helpful for me was, you know, in the corporate world, you are exposed to you know, management, you're exposed to media, you're exposed to, you know, handling tough situations. So that was helpful for me. What I lacked, I only realized years later what I lacked because you don't know what you <laughs> lack at that time. I think the whole startup ecosystem has its own language, own, uh, uh, you know, ways of doing things. I think, you know, in you know, raising funds was something that I didn't realize until after some time, you know, this, you need to keep raising funds from the very beginning, things like that. So, but you know, it was supposed to happen like that. You know, I, I have absolutely no regrets. Uh, there are no ifs and buts, you know, what has been, what has happened was written. Yeah. You, you mentioned a couple of things that I just want to go into a bit more detail on. And one of them is around the difference between someone early on in their life that wants to start a business, then there's someone that's late on in their life. Um, but there's also about raising funds. And I think our listeners will be quite keen to hear a bit more around those areas. So if we start with the early on, so if, if I'm somebody early on in my life and I want to start my business, but you know, I've got the idea in my head, what kind of advice would you give someone that's in a corporate world and they want to start a business, but they're not sure how to approach it or should they do it? How can they stop their regular income and do it? Yeah, I think as a young entrepreneur, I, I think a few things that I, I sort of now dwell upon. One thing is that you have to be absolutely certain that you, you are solving a problem. You yourself have to be absolutely convinced that there is a problem and you're solving it and you have a solution. Two, I have learned from my journey is that you, you have a solution, but you have to be very, uh, I would say, flexible in taking inputs and sort of 
not completely changing your your solution, but aligning with what you're hearing and 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 fine tuning. You you cannot be rigid saying this is my solution. I'm going to do it my way. You have to learn as you go, and you have to be flexible. And we have come a long way from the last ten years. And third lesson I I, I learned is that as a young entrepreneur, you should try and raise funds as soon as possible. The later you wait to raise funds, uh, you know. In our in my case, that was the issue. I me and my co-shareholder, uh, co-founder to a large extent, uh, he was he's much older to me and all that, uh, but he was passionate about my vision. We didn't need the money to start. You know, I, I had 20 years of corporate uh, life. You know, I didn't really need the cash. And um, so that was the biggest mistake. Uh, and, and we didn't really, I mean, we both come from corporate world. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the uh, industrialist in, in Sri Lanka, actually. So we didn't realize this whole startup entrepreneur game that, you know, you the earlier that you raise funds, the better it is. And, you know, and then it's easier for you to continue to raise different rounds of funding. Oh, on, on that point then, so what advice would you have for anyone trying to raise funds? How can they approach it? What kind of things can they do to uh, accumulate some funds to start their business? You know, the startup world also requires that you are connected with those uh, kind of, um, you know, networks, fundraising, mentoring. I think mentoring and mentoring is probably key. So you need to find the, the right type of mentors so that who can mentor you because the whole startup world, fundraising world is, you know, the huge world out there and you need some directions, you need some mentoring. And the good thing is that you have uh, more and more now, uh, you know, Muslim focus, as, at least in our space, I'm talking a little bit from Muslim lifestyle space. The biggest issue I thought in the, for the last, uh, let's say, five, six years was that the Muslim lifestyle startup entrepreneurs didn't really have a, a mentoring network, didn't have a support network. I think that the last three, four years we have started seeing that being built up. You know, there are incubators who are focused on Muslim lifestyle market. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's good to get, get to some mentors who can mentor you and sort of, you know, guide you through the whole, the whole, the whole journey. Just curious, if anyone wants to find mentors or they're not sure and they um, want to reach out to people, what's the best way do you feel from what you've seen to do that? Uh, once again, you know, I, I, my focus has been just purely on the Muslim lifestyle space. So there's a whole group of people, I think in Dubai, Anis probably might know as well, you know, uh, there are a number of groups, especially in Dubai and also in, in, in US, UK. But if anybody is looking for, and I, I personally would like to help if somebody is looking for mentors and I can direct them to them. But uh, there's a network out there. I, I just don't have any specific name or a website that you can go into. But uh, there are there, there is a network out there right now. Uh, Fazal, just going back to your earlier answer, when you when you made that jump from corporate, um, what was your family's support or reaction like when you know you were assume is a comfortable job to the life of a entrepreneur? What was your family's reaction like? <laughs> I think. Uh... Positives and negatives. They probably saw me a little bit more at home, but you know, uh, I probably, uh, you know, I think they took it very. You know, they were pretty supportive, and of course, you know, my by that time, my, I have four children, and uh, now I have grandchildren as well. They they sort of took it up well. Of course, in my corporate world, also I was missing most of the time, which I think is a, is an advice I give to my friends. You know, one advice I give to my young friends that I see, you know, spend some time with your kids every day uh, especially when they are young you know spend the half an hour one hour with them every day because that's something that you will you know really appreciate later on in your life 
so I think I, I tried to do that even when I was in the corporate world. So I sort of built that kind of relationship with them. But it's tough, you know, in my corporate world, when I was there for at least for the last 10 years, I used to play golf at least three, four times a month. Since I started present rating, I probably haven't touched the club. <laughs> it's been really fascinating hearing about how you transition from the corporate life into the business world. So let's find out about the business side of things. So tell us about Crescent Rating and Halal Trips and um, what their visions are, but then also how they interrelate with each other. Yes, the whole idea when I when I started Crescent Rating in the, in the last 10, 15 years of my corporate world, I half of my time I spent in hotels. At that time, I, I wrote a, p- a paper as well and said, look, I want to rate hotels on how Muslim friendly they are. So that's how the name sort of came as well, Crescent Rating, uh, in comparison to Star Rating. So Crescent sort of, uh, you know, aligns with Muslim identity a bit. So that's, that's the whole idea, you know, was want, I wanted to rate hotels on a scale of one to seven, which is still the case actually, uh, on how Muslim friendly they are. It looked a pretty uh, a wacky idea in, in 2007, seven eight. You know, you're really sure you want to rate hotels on, you know, how Muslim friendly they are. And um, the mission I, I put at that time was I wanted to, you know, enable Muslims to travel, explore any part of the world without worrying about their basic requirements. And Alhamdulillah, since then, of course, you know, we, you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, sort of leaders in that space, we, we do much, much more than rating. You know, we do consultancy research reports. Uh, we you're launching training, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So uh, when I started, I wanted to have both consumer angle and a, and, a, and a trade angle. When I say consumer angle, trade angle, I wanted to sort of educate the industry on what the Muslim market is and what are their requirements and how can you cater to them and how can you treat them better, as well as, you know, give Muslim travelers a place to find out what are the places that they can, you know, go without worrying about their needs. And, and halfway down my journey, probably in 2013, 2014, I realized that, you know, Alhamdulillah, we were doing pretty well on present rating. We were getting a lot of traction, you know, industry was beginning to listen to us. Then I realized that, you know, it was difficult to have the same brand targeting both uh, Muslim travelers and the industry. So that's when we were thinking of we needed to de- develop a completely separate brand uh, in order to cater to the Muslim consumers, travelers. And that's when somehow the halal trip came into existence through somebody who had started halal trip, uh, wanted to us to take over. So that's when we said, look, let's completely separate the two entities. One focusing on Muslim travelers, one focusing on the, on the, on the industry. And they are pretty well linked now. So basically whatever we do with the industry, we sort of uh, filter that to the consumers through the halal trip platforms. So both, alhamdulillah, are pretty well set. And 2018, we are really looking to take the whole thing to another level, inshallah. Wow, mashallah. And the Crescent rating, and I think uh, it's important to stress because when we're looking into this, um, for anyone that's wondering, for any of the listeners, that it is actually very well established and it's not just somebody going in rating hotels, but you have a whole algorithm behind it to score each hotel. So it's not something simple. It's actually very comprehensive rating of hotels. Um, but are there any kind of stories you could share around the early days or when you were trying to get the message out on Crescent rating and interacting with governments, interacting with with hotels like how how was that experience i think it, it was uh, uh, you know up and down a bit in the in the beginning and uh, uh, you know funnily enough most of the caution came you know be cautious you know you know are you sure kind of 
things came from Muslims who I pitched to. We know that, that the hospitality industry, travel industry is mainly today, you know, uh, non-Muslims who are doing it. And when I pitched to them, the whole idea, they loved the idea, actually. And also, when we pitched, we didn't pitch it as, you know, this is a halal hotel and this is a non-halal hotel. <laughs> that, won't, that, that, that won't work. So the whole idea, and that's the same philosophy we have now for anything that we do in terms of assuring halal, is that we we are not a black and white kind of a certification body. We are a rating body uh, in, in terms of our rating product. We rate on a scale of one to seven for hotels, one to five for restaurants, on, and other scales for other establishments, and how Muslim friendly they are. So it's it's a it's a kind of an inclusive thing. Not an you know that's that's our message. You know we're not trying to exclude you from the market. We're trying to include you. So even if you have some services, you know you can come in and get rated and be seen. You know, these services can be still uh, interesting and 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 marketed to the Muslims. So that has been our main message. You know we we are not trying to create an exclusive club uh, of halal hotels or something like that. You know, we, we are trying to make everybody inclusive so that, you know, both the industry can benefit and also the Muslim travelers can benefit. You know, I had almost 10, 15 years of my own struggles and pain, and I, I was absolutely convinced that this was a, a need and because it was a need for me. And, you know, we are in the 10th year of establishing present rating now, so it was not overnight that, you know, for suddenly we became leaders in the market. So it takes time. But if you're convinced of your solution, if you persevere, you'll get there. My intention at the time was not to create a billion dollar company at that time. I am now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it was really about, as I said, I didn't even know what startups and entrepreneurship was, you know, it was purely trying to solve a problem. And I think that helped. Just a question on the rating. So what kind of factors are you looking for a hotel to get a favorable crescent rating? So we look at six areas, basically. We look at the level of halal food availability, either in the hotel, within the vicinity, or, you know, around the hotel. So we look at everything related to the halal food availability. The second is we look at prayer facilities services. So, you know, do you have a people direction marked in the hotel? Is there, a, is there a mosque nearby? So we look at all what is related to, to prayers and prayer facilities and information. But these, we call it must-have features. Then we look at uh, water in, in washrooms, you know, in the toilets. Do you have, uh, you know, a hand shower? Uh, so we look at that part. And then we look at number four, we look at is uh, whether they can cater during the month of Ramadan. So if, if a guest comes to your hotel, are you able to cater, which means you require a certain uh, level of services. So these four things we, we look at in order to rate a hotel from one to five. If you uh, if you want a rating of six and seven, then we look at two other uh, areas. One is we look at whether uh, we want the hotel to uh, have no, let's say, no non-halal food, no non-halal activities. The all food has to be halal and all that. So we look at that. The sixth area we look at is when it comes to recreational facilities like swimming pools and gyms, do they provide some level of privacy for males and females? So this is only for getting a rating of six and seven. We we think six and seven rated hotels are very much focused on this particular market. Getting a rating of one to five, uh, you know, any hotel can get as long as they cater to the needs of the Muslim guests as well. In your opinion, which non-Muslim country is doing this the best at the moment? There are a number of countries actually who have been doing quite a bit. I mean, Thailand is really a, a good example. You know, Thailand in general has been catering to Muslim travels hugely. You know, you have many halal restaurants in Thailand. The hotels are, you know, one of the hotels in Bangkok 
I think about uh, one year ago, called themselves as the first halal hotel in Thailand. Uh, and there are many, many other mm-hmm. hotels, I think, who cater to the, you know, even in places like Phuket, Krabi, you can find ha- hotels serving halal food and other, you know, services. So Thailand is a good example. But what you see now is that even countries like Japan, Taiwan, aggressively doing things. So, for instance, in Japan, you know, almost all airports now have rare facilities. All airports, all major airports have halal food. Now, even the authentic Japanese restaurants are going halal, like, you know, sushi, ramen restaurants, you know, these tempura restaurants. So Japan, Taiwan, Taiwan now probably has about 100 halal certified restaurants. And uh, we have now about 20 crescent rated hotels in Taiwan. So in, in general, I think, and this is, this is what I tell when I speak to even the Muslim uh, majority countries, you know, non-Muslim countries are much more active in this space trying to attract the Muslims than the Muslim countries, actually. Well, uh, I think this is a really good segue for us to move into the insights into Muslim traveling marketplace. Halal trips seems to be targeted in how the Muslim marketplace has evolved. So um, tell us a bit about more about halal trips and how that has worked with the Muslim marketplace. Alhamdulillah, you know, we, we have been steadily growing on halal trip. You know, we have sort of uh, structured the whole halal trip into three areas, you know, we and that's how we sort of tagline it. So get inspired, go inspire others. So get inspired. So we want to, to develop a lot of content, a lot of uh, you know, reviews and all that to inspire Muslims to travel to any part of the world. Then the go part of the story is that we want to sort of develop services which are more aligned to the requirements of Muslims in terms of tour packages, activities, uh, even accommodation. We are, we are, you know, uh, those crescent-rated accommodation. So we want to develop a whole range of pre- travel services and products which uh, which align with Muslim travelers' needs. And the third part is inspire others as well. You know, share your share your travels, interact with other travelers. So we are trying to align our app and all that so that sharing becomes easier. So that's that's the whole idea. You know, get inspired, travel the world, and inspire others. And that's what Halal Trip wants to be. And that's really interesting. And I just wanted to ask on that point, because it's obviously a key market and a developing market. And I know you guys have done a report on Muslim millennials and developing the, how that market is getting bigger and bigger. And you talk about countries like Japan and Thailand, that it really aggressively appeal to that market. What, are, what do you think the main reasons are for that? You know, it's, it's simple maths, actually, and business reasons. Because Muslim travel market, and we have done a reports for the last, you know, six, six, seven years now, is one of the fastest growing segments within the travel industry. There's no doubt about it. Nobody can challenge that. And that's, of course, driven by the overall growth of the Muslim population. That's also not challengeable. Uh, those are pure facts, you know, whether you like it or not. And two, the Muslim economies are growing. The, 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 the disposable income of the Muslim middle class is growing, especially driven by, you know, places like uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Turkey, GCC. Uh, so all that means that Muslim travelers are now becoming not a niche market. I really don't, don't see that them as a niche market. They are a mainstream market today. Uh, so these these destinations have realized that, and and they have already seen that you know in the, in the halal food industry, halal food industry is getting bigger by the day, you know. So uh, and the Islamic banking industry, uh, so that that trend has been there, and other Muslim lifestyle services, you know, with recreation and modest fashion, probably is another area which is growing at a speed. So so these these countries, you know, have seen that potential. 
and then they, they, they're taking them seriously. And especially people like Thailand has been on it for, I would say, five, six years, but probably more than that. They're one of the biggest producers of halal food now in the world. Nice. Yeah, on your website, I saw a guide to, I think it was an island in South Korea, Jeju Island. Yeah, Jeju Island. Island. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And, and to be honest, I would never have thought South Korea to be quite uh, friendly towards a Muslim traveler. Absolutely. I always has had this stereotypical assumption that if I had to travel to South Korea, I would just be sticking to seafood or vegetarian food. No, you'll be amazed. If you go to Seoul, capital of South Korea, there is one area where the big masjid is, the Seoul Masjid. Around that, you can find, I would say, at least 20 halal restaurants of all types. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, love to pay a visit to South Korea. And one surprising one for me, which I saw on um, one of your reports, is one of the top five Muslim millennial outbound markets was Russian Federation. <laughs> that, was, that was really surprising for me. I didn't, I didn't expect that at all. So this was a survey that we did, and you know that's also a surprise for us as well. But if you see the other countries also, that they are also not very obvious countries. You know, like uh, I think there's Japan in that. Yeah. So, Germany, so, Russia, yeah. India, UK. You, know, so you see that that shows something, and uh, that's the the trend that we see even with the report that we just released. Is that uh, the especially the younger Muslims are becoming much more adventurous. They, they want to explore new places, not just the the same. Of course, still places like Malaysia, Turkey, and Dubai are popular, but you know they are popular still with the family travelers, Muslim family travelers who want. You know, when you travel with families, you don't want to take a lot of risk. You know, you want to make sure everything is okay. So, but when you are when you are younger Muslims, and and in the report, we also see a huge rise in the female Muslims traveling on their own, and, and they want to be adventurous. You know, they want to sort of you know explore new destinations, and that's probably the reason we see that. And that's amazing to see. And so I had one more question before we go in and get some tips from you about trends in 2018. So what for you has been the biggest challenge when you were setting up the business or even transitioning from a small business to like a big one, like you said, a billion dollar business? I think in the, the, the number of challenges we have faced throughout our journey. I mean, the, the first challenge when I started was convincing people on the need to for, for what we are trying to do. And, and, and I think that took a Probably a year. I think we probably sort of started breaking through a little bit. Probably not not before twenty late twenty oh nine maybe. So although we started in end twenty oh eight, so that was the biggest challenge. And even then, it took us a lot more effort to convince that you know what you know. I'm talking about the presentation part of the story. And I think a real breakthrough for us to overcome that challenge was our partnership with Mastercard. Uh, in terms of our reports, you know, that sort of took us to the next level in terms of credibility and in terms of, you know, acceptance. The next big challenge, and it's still a challenge for us, I think it's raising funds. As I said, that's what I tell entrepreneurs, raise funds early so it becomes easier to raise funds later. We never raise funds, you know, even 10 years of our existence, we have never raised funds outside. It's always been uh, shareholders that have been there with us. So I think that's uh, now we want to grow a uh, real step growth that we want to make in 2018 that requires funds. And that's a challenge today. Um, you know, running a startup is, is a challenge, huge challenge. When it will end, I don't know. But, you know, uh, so that's why, that's why I think you have to be really, really passionate about what you do. Because if you are not the first obstacle that you will see, you will fall and you will, you will let 
let go uh, unless you're convinced that you you are trying to do something and you mentioned mastercard how did that happen let me see how it happened that's a good question i think it was a friend of mine who introduced them to them they were interested in this space as well in the muslim lifestyle space they wanted to get them awareness in the muslim lifestyle space so a friend of mine introduced to them and then we you know we started chatting what we could do and at that time we already had done for a number of years what we call crescent ratings annual destination ranking that was what was called before that uh, after that we changed it to global muslim travel index uh, mastercard crescent rating global muslim travel index so we had already had something which was you know getting to be known in the market so Uh, and then you know we continued our discussions and they were very very interested in that particular product of ours and then we came together to make that a joint product and today alhamdulillah that's you know the mastercard crescent rating the gmti as we call it is probably the the global bench, benchmark for the industry wow that's fascinating and if they're looking for a podcast you know there's a great one called one for in the same <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know fazal in your opinion how much of your success to date do you think is as a result of luck and how much of it do you think is a result of hard work <laughs> a bit tricky to answer that i mean i have to answer it from a since i'm in an islamic podcast i have to answer from an islamic point of view so i, I think <laughs> it's two things and, and i think i think from a islamic muslim entrepreneur i think that's very very important you know it is totally hard work you know hard work not just dumb hard work but really intelligent hard work that you have to put in day and night there is no substitute for that you know as i said i stopped playing golf long time ago hopefully i can take it up in 2019 after 11 years of this but i think also getting up early in the morning and asking asking the only being who can give you you know so i think you have to you have to make a lot of dua you know at the end of the day that's crucial and um, i have i have time and again i have gone into deep deep problems and i believe the only reason that i would able to come through was uh, sincerely and pleading what you want from the giver i think there's you have to do both consistently yeah That's powerful. Yeah. And so I think that's probably a good moment for us to move on to our section where we get some takeaways for the listeners. So from your point of view and, you know, from Halal Trips and the work that you guys have been doing, what's your take on travel trends in 2018? Yeah, 2018, we, we see a number of, and that's, you know, just, just released the report. So we see that female travelers become getting, playing a huge role uh, in, the, in, the, in the growth of the market. They're becoming vocal as well. Uh, and also what we also seeing as a trend is that you know with all the negative narratives that we have across the media i think these travelers especially female travelers for that matter their uh, you know visual stories and videos uh, will be one of the ways of you know fighting this this negative narratives in the media i think that we are already seeing it and i think that will continue and probably help us to 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 counter the negative narratives uh asia you know one other thing that we see is that uh, especially among the uh, the younger muslims you know they are getting more conscious about the uh, what we call sustainable tourism care for the environment community and that's one of the trends as we put in because we think that muslims in general and a lot of people don't realize we are obliged to take care of our environment to take care of the community so this and this is the whole theme about the the sustainable tourism nowadays you know there is is this whole issue of you know over tourism and all that i think the destinations are in great position to to leverage this 
in you know inherent quality of muslims uh, in terms of these things so i think that's that's a huge thing but i think the another thing that we see with the growth is uh, and that's a, that's a challenge is that we see that you know claims for of halal food especially when it comes to halal assurance of halal food there are you know you see restaurants popping up in saying we are halal but that the claims are really dodgy that's going to be a challenge for a long, and and also it's also a muslim travelers responsibility i think to make sure that they don't just walk in if somebody puts a, a halal sign outside in arabic you know uh, because a lot of people are misusing that and it's our responsibility to ask the right questions so i think that that's going to be a challenge as the, as as the as as the muslim travelers grow uh, there'll be you know businesses who want to make a quick money and they'll resort to many things and we have to be careful about that and then finally about brands i think we see that there'll be more and more uh, awareness of you know having brands which sort of talk to the muslim consumers understand their you know empathize with them and uh, so we we see that 2018 will will start seeing brands our branding become much more important and sort of trying to engage with the muslims what destinations do you think will be quite popular with the muslim travelers in 2018 um i think still japan and 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 korea are top uh, destinations but we also see now uh let's say you know scandinavian countries like uh, finland iceland so there there is interest there even even uh, central asian countries are getting interesting like uzbekistan and all these places wow that's a great insight so we're going to move now into our quick fire round this is just a straightforward question so whatever comes to your mind you can answer it it doesn't have to be short punchy answers it doesn't matter if you you can expand on it if you want so first one i'm going to start with what's your personal top 3 cities for traveling personal top 3 cities for traveling i i love my trip to jordan i think jordan is a great place especially petra i, I you know probably i have never seen another amazing site as petra in jordan uh bosnia sarajevo mosta is really cool places I, i love going there and japan you know japan i really love because i'm a huge japanese food fan now i can eat a lot of japanese food so <laughs> mm-hmm. yes mm, nice we'll add it to the list yeah uh okay the next question is what's your favorite book my favorite book favorite book i think is ibn battuta's rihla i i i really think every muslim should read that book why i say that is you know if you if you look at uh, ibn battuta you know he he left tangiers when he was 22 years to perform hajj i went to makkah uh, performed hajj and then took a detour and returned to tangiers i think 30 years later or something and what's amazing about the book is the small stories he tells you know i think it is a great book to read just listening to that made me very interested and intrigued um and so our last question and i think i know the answer to this but um are you type person that prefers beach holidays or is it city breaks oh gosh uh, that's a tough one uh, <laughs> definitely not beach person <laughs> uh city probably i am more of a foodie than anything else so uh, food holiday is good <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one food holiday <laughs> So Fazal, thank you so much for joining us today. So tell us your plans, what's next for Crescent Rating, Halal Trips and yourself. So this is our 10th year, so we are sort of going to sort of celebrate our 10th year anniversary later in this year. 2018 for us is probably one of the going to be the most crucial in our journey. So both on Halal Trip and Crescent Rating we have huge plans in Crescent Rating we we want to sort of 
bring out new products like, you know, training, online training for the industry, you know, make it easily accessible to any hospitality industry people to get an understanding of the Muslim market. A rating of hotels and restaurants and expanding that to a lot more countries is, is a huge focus. Halal trip is, 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 is our, our, I would say, the biggest pattern for 2018. Uh, I really want to make it the platform that Muslims will think of when they want to travel. So we are looking at bringing new features. Actually, we are never marketed that a lot. Uh, on, on the app, you have a feature of, you know, you can track your salat. How many times you prayed in Jamaat? How many where? Which masjids you can track it actually? Yeah, we're trying to to make it much more easier for users to upload content, so write reviews. So the the whole uh, experience of discovering content, you know, that's the theme that we also talked about in our report yesterday. Make it seamless as much as possible. So you want to go to Korea? So you looking at what you want to do, where you want to go, where we want to eat. Uh, how to plan so make it as seamless as possible uh, so it's a huge focus for us uh, taking halal trip to the to the next step now yeah and i've seen on the feed as well people post you know yes. the mosques they're yes. visiting the things and it's actually quite useful because if you're around the area you yeah. can go take a look so yeah and i think it's a good idea the more people do that the better it is really? for everybody and where can people find you? Uh, me personally, I am not, uh, you know, I am the 60th generation, so I'm not an Instagrammer or a Facebook fan. <laughs> I'm more a LinkedIn guy. So you'll find me on LinkedIn. Anybody, you know, please, you know, you know, connect me on LinkedIn. No, I'm a little bit active on Twitter, but not so much. Probably I'm most active on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me, you know, please, please, I would like to connect as much as possible with anybody, especially entrepreneurs, younger entrepreneurs who, who you know, who want to get my two cents worth of advice and experience. Uh, LinkedIn is the place. On Halal Trip, we are extremely, extremely active on all sort of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well. Our present rating also we are active on social media. Uh, we are also extremely keen to, you know, share our experience and know-how through internships. So we we do a lot of internships. Uh, last year we did we did about fourteen interns. So you know, anybody wants to intern, we're happy to look at it. Assume there are some issues with interns on where they can, you know, how they can come on board because we are a Singaporean-based company. Coming back on Halal Trip is that we want to sort of connect with the community. So we are launching a program called. Halal Trip in Community Program, which is bridging the online offline space with more direct interactions with the community. So we'll probably launch it sometime in the next couple of months. And we had one final question. Anisha, do you want to ask him? Yeah. So the final question, Fazl, is if you could teach a class anything, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. Okay. What would I teach? Um, I think I, I would teach about hard work and dua because they go together. Uh, and and for me, if I if I take everything out of my journey for the last uh, in my corporate world and uh, and my entrepreneur world, it, it's to do with those two. You know, whatever you have your you want to do, you have to do with your your best of your ability, hard work. You know, put everything that you have into it, and then make dua, make sincere and and sincere, really sincere dua. Oh, that's a really good class. I would love to go to that. Hard work and dua. <laughs> It's uh, amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Fazel. And it's been inspiring hearing your story from the start, from your humble beginnings to, you know, how you developed something, made something. It's a huge inspiration for me personally, and hopefully the listeners can take somewhere something away from it. So thank you very much.
Thank you very much. Thanks and all the best with your podcast and I'll definitely keep listening to your podcast. Jazakallah. Bye. So there you have it ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the can. So Foz, what did you think of that show? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Fazal is very inspiring guy. He's, you know, he's come from humble beginnings. Um he's made something great, you know, and um and the whole Muslim market, millennial market into traveling, great to get insight into that. You know, I enjoyed speaking to him. How about yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me is the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. You know, we all want to do that. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Cool. So, thank you all for listening to the show. We really enjoyed it. I hope you did. So, any suggestions for anybody from any guests or any suggestions about the show, remember to email us at info@onefootinthesink.com. Then don't forget to review us on iTunes as well. You don't always have to write a review, oh, yeah. but it will be nice. But you can also just log in and give us give us a five-star rating as me and Foz just did earlier on today. And don't forget our social handles so you can find us on Twitter at @onefootinthesink. the number 1 that is yeah and on instagram we are one foot in the sink with o n e and on facebook we're also on one foot in the sink yep see you guys soon